All of us are on a journey of becoming, a never-ending journey in pursuit of truth and deeper union with the divine. Many of you know that faith is a complicated thing and that our journey of becoming can be both difficult and painful. Far too often, we have not been given a space where we can safely address the complications and issues that arise naturally. My name is Joshua Patterson. My good friend Greg Fairn and I are also on this journey of becoming. We are both dedicated to inviting you into our journeys and creating a space where questions and critical thinking are welcome. We want to take an honest look at the issues and questions so common to this shared journey that we all find ourselves on. We want to genuinely seek out what it means to follow Jesus in our ever-changing world, in our unfolding and expanding universe, and in our pluralistic society. We have come to know that doubt is not the enemy of faith, but rather that both doubt and curiosity are two of our biggest allies. We have learned that the Christian faith is more about wisdom and love than it is about correct doctrine or belief. And we believe that we are being invited to continually seek out both wisdom and love, renewing our minds, expanding our hearts, and rethinking our faith in the process. Thank you for joining us on that journey. An ad for your, uh, what, what do you call your Patreon members? I don't fucking know. Like we, All right. Greg and I are still new at this because I have this weird problem where I'm like, making money for doing something that i love feels weird so like i need help doing that oh yeah it's rethinking <laughs> faith and uh guess what joshua patterson is right here and he says i don't know how to invite people to my patreon <laughs> but greg's like i know how to invite people to my patreon Tell them it's awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Nailed it. There you go. That's perfect. And that's exactly why we invited you, Trip, because you fucking and I said fuck in the first three seconds of the podcast. So <laughs> oh, don't go. worry. I feel like you just gave me permission. This is an explicit episode. Also, for everyone listening to Rethinking Faith right now, this is Trip Fuller and if you are a Patreon member and you get to watch the video of this, I have psychedelic lights going on behind me. <laughs> I just want the. That's why I put them up here. That's why I put them up here, fellas. They're nice. I, it's trippy. I mean, it is. It's amazing. It's gorgeous. Trippy. That's a pun. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. But you it, didn't because I was. There. I was really appreciating it. No, I. I can't take credit. I've it never heard happened. anyone say, "Oh, it's trippy." I'm sure. Never yet. No, I. I. I that was not my dad joke of the day so far but it does look it looks very uh it's actually fairly sexy man it's it's looking uh yeah very whitish you know erotic. there's a setting on these lights that i bought slightly inebriated in lockdown at one in the morning um that there's a setting where it follows the beat of the music and i bought it and uh cora and haven my youngest and i we had dance parties all during lockdown where it followed the beat of the music but um, now, Josh, look, you look, I just want to tell you something. We discussed this before we started recording. You have 30 minutes 
of serious trip time because I was going to do a 30 minute podcast episode on rethinking faith. And then we're going to your, your members thing. If you let me discuss like, like lo- COVID lockdown dancing on my kids, that is not, <laughs> that's, that's not true. what that's rethinking not faith members. I'm going to no. say some high quality material and, or with confidence state things that people don't like and then lure them <laughs> by the time I finish drinking two beers while listen while we have this discussion to the after party in your Patreon group and people should support rethinking faith. Why? Because the large amounts of faith sucks, but the God they've encountered doesn't. And so you got to rethink it because sometimes the ideas you have of the concept of God aren't aren't worthy of the ultimate reality, the source of love, life and spirit behind it. And so they need to rethink it. You're good at doing that. You're also good at brewing beer. That's why the two of you are coming to hang out at Theology Beer Camp. They should use your code, Rethink Faith. Go to theologybeer.camp. Look at that intro is done because Trip just did a short intro for Rethinking Faith. You can go to the post. You can click on the Patreon thing. And on that side, with the members only, I'm going to say some horrible things that you'll be like, I can't believe he said that. I'm going to tell a joke from when I was a youth minister that's so uncomfortable. You'll feel awkward. And I'm going to finish drinking a bunch of full tilt beers that Josh dropped off at my house. That's what's going to happen. So you, clearly you should go join at least for this month. And uh, Josh, <laughs> here's the thing. If they're your Patreon members, I'll give you a code and your Patreon members can get $100 off theology beer camp. That's right. Oh, they go join right now or already a member. I'll give you a code. We have to make it up after this episode. And you have to remember when you're editing to ask me what it is. No, but I'm writing all it right. down. I'm writing, but, it down. writing it down. That and after I drink bucks, these two beers, bucks off for, yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. So that basically you're going to get three days of day drinking and high quality theologizing with your favorite God pods at, for 150 bucks and 90 of it. I spend on beer and food. So like, I'm just telling you <laughs> like it's a high quality investment. That's right. solid. And also too, for the record, I started my 30 minute timer so we can watch. Okay. Yeah. It All right, you better right take here. over. Look, there it is. You take over. All right, ready? I'll take over. Here Look at my ready. lights. I'm just ready to <laughs> ride with you. <laughs> All right, well, I'll here. This is me taking over. Um, <clears throat> so hanging out today, Greg, we have our friend Trip Fuller, uh, who does podcasts and writes books and uh other things. Um and so I thought what might be <laughs> that was fun. solid. Let me just put a pin in this. Let me just put a pin <laughs> that transition from what Trip did so elegantly and smoothly to what you just did was flawless. I just want to just nailed put it. a pin in that. Just fucking nailed it. All right. So sorry. Nailed go ahead. It. it was so good. Go ahead. Keep going. Yeah. So, Greg, I thought what might be fun is um, you and I have had conversations offline where we're like, dude, all of these atonement theories, none of them really like quite work for us. Uh, like there's some that are better than others, right? Like some of them are way better than others. Uh, but also within this, you know, framework of like open and relational slash process theology, like I don't even understand like how, like atonement, is this a thing? Like you and I, we've talked about this. I don't think Jesus had to die on the cross for salvation to be uh, like efficacious. Look at that SAT word, folks, write it down. Um or like for it to work or whatever you want to say. And I don't think you believe that either. But at the same time, whenever I talk about salvation to my friends that are like, you know, my evangelical friends or like my friend Jace, right? Who's a PCA pastor. Well, actually, Ecoprez, sorry, uh, pastor. And Come I on, like, let's just say that Ecoprez 
like you you're like oh we're eco look at the green it's kind of right. like their logos an emergent village ripoff and then they use the phrase <laughs> eco but it's just because they don't like gay people but then they're like coming up with reasons that that's not really the issue but all three of my friends that got fired from eco like churches that went eco are basically because they like gay people like so like but no, you're not no, wrong that's the thing like i agree <laughs> I mean, look, but listen, if you're like, like bigoted towards the LGBTQ plus community and still want to help not have the planet die of ecocide, we're here for you. (laughs) Everyone has their growing edges. So I don't, I don't want to be like, (laughs) never mind. (laughs) Trying to find a safe space for everybody. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. So, (laughs) so yeah, so, um, so, so that is, I mean, and when we talk about atonement theory, it's not just, again, it's not just some are, are better than others. Like I, I genuinely think that, and we've talked about this a million times, but obviously our concept of the divine our concept of the infinite mystery, however we define it radically shapes our experience of every millisecond of our lives. And, uh, and I think our atonement theories are oftentimes reflections of our views of god and so some i just think the substitutionary penal atonement which i held to when i was a pca pastor i mean my god you actually literally during your ordination exam you had to actually say the word substitutionary penal atonement or else you could not get ordained in my presbytery like you had to fucking say those words just right uh, like like a like a handshake like a secret handshake or a code for uh validity and i actually think what did you have to say uh substitutionary penal atonement and i've really focused on the penal uh oh you gave it you went big on the penal i went big on the penal i really feel like when you're talking about atonement you focus on the penal and uh where the the emphasis of the penal goes and again if we show this video there's lots of good stuff for our patreons to look at during this particular segment i forgot anyway. we're doing video i need to stop doing yeah, what josh I'm doing. <laughs> gonna ru- josh is ruining his witness you know like what's funny about like when people giggle about the word penal which obviously that is a funny word for all sorts of reasons but i just find it appropriate that those that have a middle school humor yeah. giggle at the atonement theory that is the most phallocentric right Be- because Penal substitutionary atonement, like, is predicated on the kind of hyper masculine, imputing, coercive, injecting the goodness into you faith. And, uh, which is, I don't know if anyone's actually made love before, horrible description of reciprocal love making. And yet people are like, you know, you know what God wants to impute righteousness all over you. God wants to look at your filthy sinner soul and just elect you all over. Like from from all eternity, like before you were even born, God elected you. Like, yeah, it does have a little bit of like sovereignty groomer vibes. But I mean, when creation and consummation are a single eternal act, the God who has chosen to love and freedom um that happens i've uh, i just want everyone to know uh that you should join the patreon community just to watch their faces respond to that i i feel like i was actually trying to draw uh like an actual line of theological (laughs) critique that that 
top-down power uh, under the hyper-phallic, masculine, patriarchal sense is utterly problematic. Yeah, but you because just top-down again. Well, yeah. yeah, because top-down implies someone no, above and you. below. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it, as someone that thinks that the incarnation is ultimately salvific, it emerges from below. God shows solidarity with the underside and not with the imperial powers that reign top down. So, you know, that, uh, that's fucking hilarious. Oh, my God. I didn't and, know it was and, hilarious. And, and, I thought it was called the gospel. I'm the heretic. I know that out of the three of us, yeah. I'm the heretic for laughing at that uh, because that was so uh, gorgeously articulated. Um, wow. Look, so, I promise you 30 minutes of serious material. I'm through the first beer. So again, we're uh we still have 23 minutes to go. All right, we so, might stop at the third beer. Okay, go ahead. That was pretty good. No, but so all right. So from a process perspective, then uh when it comes to atonement, because like Greg and I both, you know, we already shared what we think, but yeah, y'all um, you, you used to be down what? for the penal, but and now you're we, like and then we we're less down for the penal. And You're like I'm. I'm against the penal, but what? What's next? Yeah, exactly. Because like, there's a bunch of other ones, right? Like I, you know, I've interviewed yes. a bunch of people about atonement. Like our, you know, mutual friend Tony Jones came on the podcast and was very kind to Marty and I when yeah. we asked a bunch of stupid questions about atonement. You know, yeah, two years ago. Um, but, but Tony's but, book, "Did God Kill Jesus?" is actually my favorite to recommend because. It's a great book. Yeah. It's really honoring to all the different perspectives in church history, even the ones he ultimately critiques. Um, and which when I read it, I told Tony, I was like, look, I thought you were one of my like asshole friends. And I just uh, we've talked a bunch of times and you you like to give me a hard time on the podcast all the time. And then here you are giving the most like kind reading to things I know deep down that drive you nuts. And he's like, Trip, do you want to be right or do you want to be heard? And I was like, well, they're mutually exclusive. But uh you can I think I think at theology beer camp, you you and Tony, we should have a we should have an atonement session. I have a number, there's a number of theologians that have atonement books that are gonna be there. So they can fix your problem because I'm gonna try to make huge. it more problematic right now. That's yeah, what I'm gonna that'd do. Be huge. Cause like I don't that was like the that was one of the main questions I used to ask. I had two big questions atonement like how does salvation work and also like what is hell but i've got to the point where i'm like fuck that idea about hell like i don't i don't you, even know what, Greg, i don't even he know what is ruining your I witness die. do you keep hearing all these foul words coming out of his <laughs> mouth they're 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 timely though and they're especially uh when it comes to uh uh just the other day i had this person reach out to me and they said look no bullshit just just dial it down for me and this is on instagram so it's not actually a real interaction in person, but they said, please just no bullshit. Do you believe in hell? Do you believe that a just God sends people uh, to hell? And I said, absolutely not. I think our concept of hell is far more Dante than Jesus. And, but this, and, and then this person, the, the amount of relief that this person experienced by simply for whatever reason, giving a shit what I think, uh, but the, the amount of relief they felt and validation, they said, you know, I've pretty much given up on God. And now I'm kind of, I'm, I'm following now what you're doing at Second Breath, Rethinking Faith, 
because there's if the, if if this is what it means that you can still follow believe in god and have this openness so yeah there is there is this you know fuck hell fuck, there, there's i i do experience an anger i, I experience an anger with this doctrine that creates fear-based systems that are calcified within communities that keep people uh in trapped in uh, these these systems that are really fucking harmful so so when yeah, we talk yeah, about yeah. when we talk about atonement theories like it, to me it's not just esoteric theology of course i mean this is shit that people believe that is forming their experience of every second of life to either be create more harm in the world or more beauty in the world and so so i know and 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 as, as just we transition and, and dig into it one of the things that i found to be finally finally a system finally a theological expression that actually resonates with reality with science as we know it and actually my heart as i know it uh is with with process theology and it's not christus and i appreciate christus victor i appreciate uh you know, so many of the ones I appreciate Anselm doing his best. Uh, I appreciate all the, the the atonement theories that evolved, but I'd love to hear, since we don't have much time in this remaining, but I would love for you to, if you could just distill down for us what salvation looks like within process theology, what what Jesus dying on the cross, or maybe what the what where the incarnation is on that. Like, how, where would you go with that in terms of just explaining to our, our Rethinking Faith listener the, the heart of the the cross and maybe the incarnation within process theology okay so i am on my third beer now so what i'm gonna do is give you pick a number between one and ten greg i'm gonna give you seven seven all right so um i'm gonna give you seven uh stated very strongly statements about atonement from a process perspective and uh and then you can ask one follow-up question, but Josh has to listen because <laughs> I've talked to Josh a lot about this, so I feel like it'll be revamping a lot of our Marco Polo conversations and text conversations and phone calls. And every time I talk to him about this, I'm like, I don't know why this is not clear. And then he reread my book, and I'm like, I don't know how this is not brilliantly clear. <laughs> like, I, I have had hundreds of emails where people are like, Thank you for pulling this all together. And so I'm worried about your co-host's ability to understand yeah. what I was putting down. All right. So I'm going to give seven uh, rules for doing process atonement theories in the key of trip because I could not speak for all process theologians. And um, if they're a theologian that uses process philosophy from another religion, they're going to think everything I'm saying is crazy. So uh, I, I'm going to make them up as I go, but I've talked about this enough. I know I'm going to believe them all. And then you get one follow-up question and um, we're going to make Josh listen because I like it. on good. this short episode, and then he gets to have his feelings in at the beginning of the Patreon conversation. When I started the fourth beer, he gets to have thoughts. <laughs> That's good. So this That's is good. a small torture for Josh. Josh, you can unmute yourself right now. And tell me if you disagree with this, but if not, I'm about to talk to Greg. No, I'm I'm excited, Trip. So like, here, I'll be ready. I'll get really serious with you. Okay, you get uh, serious. I, I started a a class today called the Inward Journey through Second Breath. Um, and 
Y'all really like us, each other. Well, yeah. But they asked us at the end of the class, like, what is like the one like word or phrase that you're taking away from today? And the, seriously, I wrote it down. I can show it to you. I have a note card right here in my desk. We'll it, just trust the, you. Since the thing I wrote down this video. was listen, listen without fixing. Because I have a real tendency. I will list, I, I invite people to tell me their problems, but I have this tendency to be like, oh, well, dude, all you have to do is like go read Trip's book or go listen to this podcast I did. Oh, yeah. Or go they don't have to read it, though. They could just buy and it. You'll be fine. Yeah, just buy <laughs> Trip's book and then For all your, your investment will be doubled, you know, in the kingdom of God. Like it will be, it'll be, or tripled, whatever, tripled. Yeah, tripled, um, tripled. <laughs> they can come to Theology Beer Camp. But right. uh, if they use the code rethink, they get $50 off. But if they become they a Patreon do. member, they use some special code that's $100 off. So Which this is magic. moment. Yeah, it's magic. So like, basically, you're a prosperity preacher who has to be on mute. So Yeah, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen as a spiritual practice. So here I'm. Congratulations. Right I was, uh, Greg, uh, since he can't talk anymore, um, uh, are, are you impressed or deterred? That he needed a spiritual justification not to talk for the rest of the episode because you know he's not allowed to talk now. You just gotta you you have to think about where the person's starting from. Okay. And there's just yeah. the levels of issues, uh, complexities, uh, neurological uh, uh, wiring, uh, misfires for him to get to this place. To me, it just this is discipline so i'm proud of him so J josh right now if you could see his face again when patreon when you see <laughs> this video you're going to see what's happening non-verbally with josh during this segment we're really proud of him <laughs> so you're you're impressed it's one of those moments where you're like look if we're all going to california some people are born in north carolina and others in colorado and <laughs> and josh is born in wilmington north carolina it's uh, the, the the very beginning of I forty. Oh, all right. Now, now, Greg, you don't know seven this, points, but seven points. I grew up. See, I thought you were going to go five points because you were a good Calvinist like I was, me when I, I grew was up. A five pointer, I was. You, you oh, I two. had all five down. I had all five down. I read Charles Spurgeon's sermons for devotionals. Me too. No way. Oh, me too. Fuck see, yeah. I it, Josh doesn't know this, but I basically am using these five points so that you and I become friends since we live in the same city and I don't have adult friends in the city. So, all right. So point one, assuming our shared read Charles Spurgeon sermons as background point one for me thinking atonement which led to me being a process theologian is i had a moment where i asked myself why is god not as nice as jesus i'm a christian and i read the sermon on the mount it's like pray for your enemies love those that persecute you forgive without counting and you like start reading all the forgiveness teachings of jesus you look at how he encounters the reprobate and you say to yourself what's up with this he forgives sins before he's atoned for them he uh like he gets pissed when people are like i said not the right day sir i have to read my bible like all these things jesus does makes you just ask yourself what kind of pr agent is the eternal son I mean, like if you love the Trinity, you got to ask yourself, well, why is the second person so fly and the first one so pissed? And I just say basic Christian teaching, uh, the image of the invisible God, Jesus. When a Christian asks who is God, you tell a story about Jesus, four of them, 
are canonized. They don't all agree on all the details, but you know what they agree on? All four of them are nicer than the God I devotionally connected with when reading Charles Spurgeon's sermons and repeating tulip-style material. And so if we're going to talk about sin and salvation uh, in, in atonement theories and all that kind of stuff, step one, God should at least be as nice as Jesus. And that was like the uncomfortable moment for me. What occasioned it is point two, but we'll, we'll pause there. How do, like, did you have a moment, Greg, where you realized Jesus in the scripture was like way more loving <laughs> than the God you were like, well, this is obviously correct. Let me insert the hermeneutical circle of yeah. rather conservative reductive Calvinism. It was, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I was ordained in, in the PCA. I was planting a church and uh, the, the moment there felt, I felt such internal dissonance between our church teaching and creating an authentic welcoming community, especially with LGBTQ uh, and, and the whole, uh, we had brilliant women, absolutely brilliant. And none of them could preach or teach uh, and the radical dissonance of that uh, was creating a, a profound amount of tension in me. And uh, and it ended up, I, I, I attempted to toe the party line. I, I, I did like the don't ask, don't tell. People in the church didn't know we were PCA church. And don't ask, don't tell, is, it just created way more, so, I mean, so much harm ultimately. And w where it came to a head was there was a... Uh, a gay couple there were uh two women that had never been to church before they're from the bible belt they came to our church every single event every sunday mm -hmm. morning every sunday evening wednesdays they felt so loved so supported and so connected and uh they they for three months they were everything and one day they found out we were pca and they looked at the uh, pca national website uh and saw what the stance was the perspective was on uh lgbtq as sin as wrong and they called me up and they said is this what the church is and i hemmed and hawed and i was i was like i was so exposed and and it was this moment where they were so harmed they were so shattered i mean they were completely shattered in fact you know before we started this podcast we talked about uh people giving us shit and harm you know calling us names this one was legitimate that that couple went into the woods and pretended to hang an image of me and beat it with sticks they were so so harmed by the church and me them feeling welcomed and then finding out our real theological perspective which was me dancing around so so this was a moment of how in the fuck is this possibly resonant with the, the Jesus that I see embracing the leper, that is embracing the woman caught in a door, that is just, that is flipping on its head every time someone is uh, judged within a, a smaller category. And so, yeah, that, that was the, the, I would say there was lots of things before that with small movements, but that was the, the, the profound shattering nuclear moment that blew me apart to rethink everything where mm -hmm. the, the Jesus that I see embodied uh, in, in the gospels is so radically different than my Spurgeon devotional. Oh yeah. Uh, all right. We got what? Seven minutes, Josh, where are we, where are we at? Cause I got it. I got to get my seven allowed, points. No, no. I'm just show me your, show me your freaking phone. We got eight, eight minutes. 
All right. So, so we got like a minute, a minute of these. All right. Number two. Number two. Number two. Uh, let's see. Here we go. Uh, it, if you're talking about God and how the love of God comes to engage, participate, and redeem you, you're talking about the one Jesus knows as Abba and not the one most of the church calls king or judge or, if you're a liberal Protestant, the source or ground. Easy, easy, easy. I know I was trying to trigger you, but that's for the that's for the post show episode. All the liberal Protestant attacks have to go there because we only got eight minutes, Greg. I only got eight minutes. <laughs> okay. That's genius. The power of metaphor. Continue right on. Ooh, well, that was quick. All right. Uh the church has long debated. What was the event you locate your reflection on the atonement? Some say the cross. That's what I grew up hearing. Others, the resurrection. Others, the incarnation. Uh, whichever one you pick reorganizes how you understand the other two. Um, if you take the gospel's testimony seriously, uh, three of the four think the incarnation does it. Um, more than welcome to follow up in the after of like why three of the four do. Um, the one that doesn't pick the incarnation picks what the cross and they don't, uh, they don't use judicial metaphors. So, uh, I would just say that being biblical, when you think about the atonement, introducing a judicial metaphor is ultimately problematic. And for a process person incarnation, which is a possibility in every moment, uh, but exemplified and uh, in in the incarnation in the person Jesus uh, is primary. So the incarnation is primary for process atonements. It reframes how you understand the cross and then the resurrection. Well, it's interesting. And I know we don't have that much time before we get into the real time. I know, but this is called pod bait, pod bait to your Patreon. This is some dirty, dirty, dirty pod bait. But with, uh, so, so the degree to which then incarnation, or excuse me, atonement theology was shaped by uh, Pauline philosophy approach. Where, where would you say, like, because I do think we evangelicals, even most of the church in the West, it's just automatic judicial uh, metaphor. So, wh where do you think that it, it evolved from predominantly, and uh, where did it not in uh, various traditions? In Ooh, fun times. Seconds, okay, so seconds. no, 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 no. What I'm point four is my answer to your question. Look at this. Excellent. excellent. Like, this is a new. <laughs> I knew this is the game's I, evolving. Point four in every process count of the atonement for Christian theologians named Trip is <laughs> when you read Paul's atonement theory, you pistis Christu, which is a which is like how do you translate the faith in Christ or faithfulness of Christ? That distinction's really important. Um, the long version, we'd go through all the passages where Paul uses this phrase, but the big shift is what is redemptive that a part of creation is fully faithful to the desire, lure, call of God. Thus, his materiality makes visible the invisible God's desire for all creation. That's what process people, I think, broadly tend to think. Or do you translate faith in Christ so that the life of Jesus is an exception from the rest of humanity, uh, that it wasn't even a potentiality in the rest of humanity because 
like uh, those of us with our uh, reformed upbringings. You're filthy sinner worms. You're totally depraved, bitch. Come on. <laughs> you suck. Um, so th- th- if you if you think of that distinction, faithfulness of Christ redeems or the faithfulness in Christ saves, then that really generates a different kind of atonement. And it's one where you get to set aside. Jesus redeems because he's perfect and sinless and therefore apart from us. And you embrace Jesus redeems because he's faithful and one of us. Mm. And I would just say point five, because I know we're running out of time. Point five is Paul says, and this is because Paul is ultimately a process theologian, and everyone should read John Cobb's commentary on uh, Romans, is that, that Paul said, the same mind that was in Jesus should be in y'all, the church in Philippians. Let the same mind be in y'all, if you know second person plural, that was in Christ Jesus, who did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but humbled himself, taking the form of a servant, even the death on a cross. Why? Because when the same mind like let's say that you participated in the faithfulness of Jesus. If you do that, then what happens? Then the name of Christ, that God the Father is ultimately lifted up so that, you know, you, you get these all in all type of images through Paul. And, and, and I think that those two points are really important mm. because the big hesitation every time, and I've been on, probably 40 or 50 podcasts talking about things like this. The big thing they worry about the moment you set aside the omnipotent power penal deity, who's ready to drop the ultimate phallic salvific <laughs> hammer. Um, they're like, well, how do we know it works? Right. And I just want to be like, no, no, no. You're, you think the only way it works is faith in Jesus. What if it's the faithfulness of Jesus? Because the faithful Jesus is cooperating with the God he calls Abba. And it, it, it brings an emergent revolution of a community who's ultimately committed to what? Participating in the mind of Christ, such that the images of power that Caesar used, occupied in the church, and then imposed on us via certain parts of the deformed reformed tradition are not actually how God works. It actually involves uh, the liberation of all people means identifying the cross-bearing servant as Lord. And that involves us bowing the knee and mm. saying, uh, Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. It, anyway. So I think that was two points. Where are we at Josh? Throw the, throw the thing up. So I know, cause I got two more points after this and I got to decide what they are. We have a minute and all right, you're going to give us one extra minute. You say something and I'll I'm come gra- up with I'm two graceful. points. I'm graceful. No, no I stop you, talking. I, 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 now, I would just say, just to still down, I mean, again, there, there's so much rich theological perspective, so much rich theology. But again, when you, when you, on a, on a body level, uh, literally, just it, w- when you were talking about uh, faith in Jesus or faith of Jesus and the, the simplicity and the power of that distinction, because of course, with one system is fear based, one system is, uh, penal substitutionary atonement. It is judge as primary metaphor. Uh, there's fear. It, it's and of course we know pragmatically that uh, you're it, it creates self preservation, selfishness, uh, ego emphasis. Uh, even though we don't want to, we say it's not true, but it's true. 
the other on literally i literally felt my heart my solar plexus my fucking gut unbraced like my muscles relaxed in at the thought of the faith of jesus that this this really is we are so loved that we are so safe uh and 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 held um in 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 divine love in god's presence that that does radically alter i mean th this is not again esoteric theological fucking brain candy this is this impacts our experience of every millisecond of life and if we can metabolize and heal from these fear-based systems it transforms everything so i just want to say especially listen to the patreon episode after this because we're going to fucking unpack this for a little bit but i just want to say uh, that that what trip what you just articulated so succinctly and in such a distilled way uh i, I think that makes all the difference. I mean, literally that can transform the experience of life, especially for those of us that have been raised in these fear-based systems. All right. Now you got two more points. All right. I got I two more points. I'm going to do them back to back so that you can close things out and tell everyone if they want to hear more. They got to go join the rethinking faith, Patreon community. And not only will they be supporting high quality rethinking faith material, but they will get access to a code where they can come to theology beer camp for a hundred dollars off. Not just 50, like if they use the rethinking no. rethink code. That, that cheap which, ass. Yeah. And and just to clarify, if you're gonna come to beer camp, <laughs> you should you you should join because it's you you save more than a year of supporting rethinking faith by getting a hundred dollars off. Mm -hmm. So all you have to do is think that Simple Greg math. and Joshua are like slightly above average and you want to get unlimited beer for three days while you hang out with all the other God pods and high quality theologians. All right. So point six and seven point six is for the centers. Uh, process atonement theory uh, takes seriously. The fact that sin is not something you can uh, exercise from the center and sin against dynamic, the violator in the violated. And so what redemption looks like looks different. If you're one or the other for the center redemption, actually requires a host of different factors like acknowledgement of the truth it actually involves the invitation to a new beginning and there's other features but we have like a minute and a half or whatever so uh the image i use in my book is scrooge in the christmas story uh he gets haunted by three ghosts the past the present and the future in the past, he gets honest with what he's brought into the moment. In the present, he's haunted by the death he's dealing in relationships. Like Tiny Tim. Come on. What person isn't moved by Tiny Tim? That's almost as bad as like an injured puppy. Come on. And then the the haunting of the of Christmas future. Like, here's what happens if you keep your closed soul self the way it is. You're going to die alone and dead with a bunch of stuff beside you. Is that the life you want? Right. And it's from those three hauntings that Scrooge rises up and becomes a different person. And then in the story, what happens at Christmas? Scrooge rises to new life. One, got a hashtag. If you're a process theologian, incarnation redeems. Because uh, what is it? It's a process party. Hashtag full tilt brewed the beer for theology beer camp, but also uh, what it what it actually models is how the cross should function for the oppressor for the sinner. 
it functions as a as a transferable nightmare. The cross is a gift because it gives us the right nightmares. It makes us deal honestly with the ways we are complicit, our privilege, our blindness, and things deal death in the past. It helps us become aware and honest of the way our own engagement in a multiplicity of relations deals death in the present. And then it asks you, do you want to live in this death and wake up at the end of your life having been nothing other than the bundle of of oppression you've inherited? Do you want your past to ultimately determine everything, or do you want the gift of grace, possibilities given to you every moment from the God who knows you, loves you, and cares about you, inviting you to participate more deeply in the divine adventure of zest and beauty and goodness and love? The atonement for the sinner is an invitation to a different kind of becoming, and Scrooge shows us what that looks like. Point seven. Process atonement is also an atonement that doesn't live leave out the sin against. If you pay attention to most of the sermons I heard growing up, they were almost always about the sinner. Billy Graham knows how to tell a sinner, you can walk down this aisle and pray a prayer, and I trust that the love of God will connect to you. But you know what it doesn't tell you? What do you do if you're the sinned against? What if you're the person who was assaulted? What if you were the person who was shamed? What if you were the victim? Because if you think the only way God connects to you is if you can contort your lips to say the same prayer as the one that assaulted you, that violated you, that harmed you, that oppressed you, then your gospel's bullshit and it's not atonement. And it's sub-biblical. Why? The cross of Jesus is not just an exemplification of what the powerful's violence looks like on the innocent body. It's also an act of deep solidarity with everyone that bears a cross because of sin in our present. The sin against looks like all the victims. God has chosen solidarity with every cross bearer in our present. And a process concept of atonement is one that recognizes if you ask where God is, it's on the cross, not just in Jesus. That is the model and the act of divine solidarity with every cross. But then you ask yourself, what does it mean for God? to have internalized into the divine life the bearing of crosses. It means that God is tangled up in the web of relations and violence and harm and shame, and that God has chosen and is committed to a reconciliation of the sinner and the sinned against, the victim and the violator, But if you want to know where God is in the situation, it's not on the outside. It's with the victim. It's with the sinned against. It's with the shame bearer. And this isn't weird because I love Whitehead's metaphysics. It's because if you just read the Gospels, Jesus regularly does this. Like part of the big complaints about Jesus was, why do you forgive sins? And why do you do it like without asking? You just show up and be like, your sins are forgiven. Why? Like woman caught in adultery is seen. Like, you, like there's so many little bits, right? Like if you take these ideas where the sinner and the victim 
and the violated are ultimately responsible for themselves. God, like God in Christ shows up and goes, I'm on their team and I'm not sure your story's correct. And I think the big pushback uh, that process gives to most dominant atonement theories in American Christianity is that God has chosen solidarity. And then God goes, I'm not sure the story you're telling is correct. Not that God isn't redeeming and present and active. It's just that we, like Billy Graham, know how to tell a story for a sinner, a violator. But we don't know how to tell it for the sinned against and the victim. And the very heart of all process atonement theories, and there's a host of them, but I think one of the themes throughout it is that it takes seriously the relational process, relational dynamics, such that the story for the sinner and the sinned against are different. And if I had point eight, I would say we're all both. And that means the gospel is beautiful in different ways for the different parts of our story. But in the big picture, there are tons of ways that a gospel that only tells one side of the story ultimately justifies the preservation of the privilege and power, the prestige and the domination systems that lead to victims, to violation to pillaging of the planet, the exploitation of the poor, and the preservation of patriarchy and heteronormativity and exploitative neoliberal capitalism. And all of those things are ultimately entangled in an atonement theory when you take seriously the experience of the victim and the violator. And uh, the... I, I'm sure I went over Josh, but you're no, 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 yeah, that was that all happened. That was like 45 seconds because we had like a minute and 18. You did that like maybe a minute 12. That okay, totally in, in scope. And, <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say my first response is fucking hell. That was I, I had about my mind blown uh, about blown open about 12 different times, and and really not just not just conceptually. I mean, not just. Uh, ideologically but um what you're describing um i think if when we bring it when we bring it down to story when we bring it down to individual story uh it changes everything uh mm -hmm. and and um and i really do think i think one of the greatest uh harms uh, one of the, the most brutal realities of christianity in the west is a we're so head-centric I think it was Richard Rohr said that we've been far more influ influenced by Plato uh, than by Jesus, uh, the church in the West. And uh, I, I just think, and, and we've become so creedal uh, that we're, we're about distilling uh, our theologies into these belief structures in, in versus reality versus actually what's, what's happening on the guts. And what you were just describing is a healing, a bridge uh, from that, that separation, from that delusion, from that harmful system uh, into the guts of, uh, of real life. So, and, and that's what I, I really do want to unpack that shit because I feel like, especially, I mean, especially I'm, I'm an Episcopal priest, Episcopalians, this is our, this is our bread and butter, you know, and talking about these kind of things, but the downside of it is we can keep it at the level of, uh, honestly, uh, white liberal 
theology again and i do like the word source which which i i own that i'm not proud of it but i do like the word source but i think how do we actually then bring this down into the guts of story of real life and what this means on the daily and that's the shit one of the many things we're going to unpack in the patreon episode that is following this but i just want to say out of the gate i know maybe some people everyone's going to go to the patreon but those fools that don't oh yeah just, if there's fools that don't i'm going to say that at least they can know this that uh this has been brilliant and i i've, I've got a million thoughts and i just want to thank you trip uh for for coming on the podcast and uh uh, sharing your mind and your heart, uh, because I, I think this stuff is what you're describing. This is not, again, as I said earlier, esoteric brain candy. I mean, this shit, if it met is metabolized, uh, will will change the world. I mean, this this will transform and heal the world. So, thank you for bringing it. Well, Greg, you're you know you're really encouraging, and I I mean I don't want to be judgmental to previous episodes of Rethinking Faith. <laughs> because i love i i love josh and i i used to be like i the episodes josh is excited about are my favorite but i mean you're just so affirmative that i mean i'm really glad he's been muted um i'm looking forward to whatever his thoughts are in the beginning of the patreon episode and for all of you that are listening um like i'm not joking like you join you join the refaking faith group and then $100 off Theology Beer Camp. You can come hang out with all three of us. Second, Joshua's brewing a beer. These currently, it's a mid-fermentation, which we'll let you say something about at the end, Josh, because you can turn your mic back on when this is done. But um, like we're going to hang out. Third, Greg and I now live in the same city. I like He likes me so much. We're going to do a crossover live episode of our podcast in Greensboro and see if Joshua drives down to show up. Yeah, man. If he Get comes your ass down, down from Baltimore. Baltimore. Yeah. He has to bring beer hours. if he's coming. Yep. Load up it, the car, it, load up the Camry and come on yeah. down. Load up the Camry. <laughs> I and drive it, a Subaru Crosstrek. I broke the rules and I spoke, but I'm, I do not drive a camera. I have a Josh, Josh, mute, mute yourself. Yeah, Damn it, he, man. You had one, you just, had one rule. One he goal. was triggered by the word Camry. <laughs> yeah, like of everything that was said, he was like, I can keep my mouth shut, but some little but, shits just said Camry. They just said Camry. Can you believe that? I have to intervene. This is my podcast. I can't have people believing I drive a Toyota camera. Do you hate Toyotas? No, you don't say anything. You're not allowed to talk yet. All right. Anyway, we're going over to the Rethinking Faith Patreon feed where uh, Greg and I will finally decide to listen to Joshua. But uh, in the meantime, uh, Greg, I've had a lot of fun talking to you. Yeah, man. Uh, Joshua has a talk. sign that says he loves Toyota. So yeah, I, that's a little uh, card. And if you're in the Patreon feed, you'll see this video. Yeah, to... well, I am guessing that the next episode of Rethinking Faith is sponsored by the Camry. <laughs> uh, viable <laughs> option for your family transportation. There's both uh, petrol-fueled Camrys. <laughs> There's hybrid Camrys. And uh, in 2025, there'll be a electric camry so much much maligned but uh very uh affordable camry uh yeah. toyota uh, toyota camry the car <laughs> of rethinking faith <laughs> all right listener <laughs> thank you so much for joining us and as always go in peace thanks for listening <laughs>